This episode is brought to you by Naxos Music Box. Naxos Music Box is a new online learning platform from Naxos, the world's leading classical music brand. And I've been playing around with Naxos Music Box for the last little while and was impressed by a couple of things. One, the simple, easy to navigate interface for students and teachers. And two, the quality of the content. This is an excellent solution for teaching Western music theory and classical music to students from 4 up to 14, and in some cases beyond into GCSE level. There is also a super nice section dedicated to culturally diverse music with fantastic listening examples. Finally, Naxos Music Box has student quizzes that integrate with Google Classroom. Now, for the MTIIS community, Naxos Music Box has an introductory offer where you'll get 20% off your license. Simply email musicbox at naxos.com and mention MTIIS for your discount. That's M-U-S-I-C-B-O-X, musicbox, at N-A-X-O-S, naxos.com. Welcome back to the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. I'm your host, Chris Kulmer, and this podcast is all about exploring the unique world of international schooling and music education with the goal of building a stronger and more connected community of music teachers working in the world's international schools. And I'm super excited about this episode, which I'm going to call Community Insights. There'll be three of these episodes in the coming weeks, and each of them will feature some amazing members of our community from literally all over the world. It was amazing. We put this out on various platforms and the response was fantastic. In this episode, I speak with Megan Highfield in Nepal, Avinash Srinivas in India, Paul Ellison in Singapore, and Beren Gaston in Germany. And each conversation is totally different uh, and represents the incredible diverse community that we have at MTIIS. If you enjoy this format, I'd love to hear from you via the Facebook or LinkedIn groups. Just drop me a message or, you know, respond when you see this episode released. Okay, let's get into it. Please enjoy. So next up, we have Megan Highfill, who is currently the elementary music and drama teacher at Lincoln School in Kathmandu, Nepal. And I'm really excited to be talking to Megan today. Um, Thanks for being with me today. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're going to jump into these three questions. And the first one that I'd love to know a bit about is what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher in Nepal? I'm really looking for, this is my, actually my last year of teaching. So I'm kind of just trying to take a lot of risks. And my main goal this year is to incorporate my students' cultural musical identities into my classroom. So I'm kind of starting out really differently from when I, the way I normally start out and students are exploring their identity and really hoping this will lead to kind of some programmatic community sharing where students can prepare music and performances that incorporate the music and drama of their their personal culture and their personal identity and share that with the community. Yeah, it's very exciting going into this year because we have a, a whole arts theme throughout the whole department about belonging and togetherness. and. And it's 
it's something I've, I've not done before. And uh, I love taking risks and trying new things in the classroom. Sounds so cool. Do you have any examples of some of the things you might be trying to do to bring about this exploration of cultural and musical identities? We're just starting out kind of working on identity and what that means. So in the lower elementary grades, we're using a lot of puppet work so that students can understand that the way that we look does not necessarily define who we are. And even where we're from or what our family is does not necessarily mean that is our entire identity. In the international world, we have so many students that that have multiple identities and then personal preferences that are influenced by the communities they've lived in and their families. And in, in this case, there's a there's large embassy communities and diplomatic communities that feed into our school. So we're just trying to kind of define culture and identity and what that can mean. And then moving forward, I'm hoping to have students bring songs and kind of cultural celebrations from their homes and share them in in their classrooms and then plan a performance based on what is shared. And that might mean the whole class hears a song from Colombia and they really like it and they want to move forward with that. Or it may mean they need to look at mashing some songs up together or creating a short uh, dramatic play that incorporates multiple songs. Uh, we're talking a lot about continuums and rainbows and and how things don't necessarily have to be in a defined point, that things can kind of move backwards and forwards and along that that continuum of, of, of diversity. That sounds fantastic. I can't wait to hear how it goes. I'd love to <laughs> yeah. catch up with you and get a bit of reflection once you've kind of yeah. tried a few things. Brilliant. Okay. Well, you've kind of almost covered this question, but maybe there's more. Yes. <laughs> what, what's one new idea apart from this or as well as this that you plan to implement into your teaching this academic year? I think something that I'm continuously working on, it's not necessarily a new idea, but but every year I kind of push this goal further is utilizing student voice and ownership in the classroom. And for me, that meant I started this year with with very little planning. And it all, it made me very uncomfortable because I was sitting in the pre-service days when I had time in my classroom and I and I wasn't doing much. I was doing a lot of reading and a lot of cultural relevant pedagogy study, but I wasn't actually planning for my classroom because I really wanted to just have the students arrive and start talking to them and seeing what their interests were and what songs resonated with them. And since we we have quite a bit of, we're very lucky in that we have a lot of students that continue us, with us from year to year. So it was very, even with the younger ones, they came in wanting songs and making suggestions and, and wanting to do things from last year. So I just kind of relied on that. And so far it's gone really well. And then I'm hoping that will be a, a jumping off point into the into the identity and the kind of creative elements of of our our program that's hopefully in November and the students will continue to own that and and feel like it's it's their creation from start to finish not something I've mapped out and planned and then I'm I'm directing I've got a couple of follow-up questions if it's okay yes. Um, yes. it sounds to me like you're really taking a 
I don't know if this is the right word that you'd use, but I was thinking like a facilitator role as your, mm-hmm. as your pedagogy. Would that be correct? Or is that how you sort of see yourself in this program that you're developing and exploring? For sure. It's, it's definitely more of a facilitator. I've been thinking a lot about, about leadership and arts leadership, and uh, I'm studying a lot of leadership right now. And that difference between the sage on the stage and the guide on the side. And I've really tried to embody that kind of in in all forms of my life. I tend to really like planning and organization and control and spreadsheets. And it comes in very handy in event planning to be good at all of those things. But it's not necessarily facilitating the learning that I want. So I'm I'm fortunate to work in an institution that encourages us to take risks like this and, and is really happy to just have the students share what they're learning and doesn't have kind of a performance expectation. Though I have found that when the students do work like this, the performances are very high quality. And I, I'm not sacrificing performance level so that the students can own the work. It's that level of investment leads to to very high quality performance. I wonder if you would agree or not about, we talk about it a bit on the podcast about international schooling and how often we find ourselves at an advantage with the flexibility of programming potential because we're not as constrained by national curricula or national governing bodies. Is that the case in Nepal as well? And in your institution, it's quite open. Sounds like it. Is that, is that what you're sort of saying? For sure. We are uh, probably the most academic freedom I've ever had. I think Nepal, I think Lincoln would identify as not achievement focused. They, they advertise and recruit and have to do a lot of parent sessions that we are we are completely standards-based reporting. We are narrative-based in the elementary. We don't grade at all in the elementary. And it's it really important that the students receive a holistic has- education. And we're allowed to kind of do that however we want. And it, as long as the, the students are learning. And uh, for example, I see I, I get to have every class every other day for 40 minutes, which is in, an incredible amount of time. I've never seen students for that much time. And and I think that just shows how much the school community values the arts and the I mean, I, they have me as much as they have science. So it's it's really it feels really affirming. And then I think it also shows the students that this is important. And if it's okay, I have one follow-up question. You mentioned the reading you're doing on cultural pedagogies. Would you be able to suggest or share any of that reading, any book titles or any ideas that people might want to sort of learn about? So I'm looking at it from a very wide lens right now. So I've been doing a lot of uh, reading from Gloria Latson-Billings, who in the 90s kind of started melding the critical race theory into the educate out of the legal realm and into the education realm. And then she took that further into culturally relevant pedagogy and her, I really like her because unlike some of the other CRT work I've read, it's really accessible for educators and it kind of takes the stigma away from CRT and shows you that it's actually very useful 
in the classroom to have a have an understanding of privilege and um, how culture and identity influence our actions every day. And then I've also done a lot of the reading about third culture kids. Um, I've read the book by Pollock, and I've worked a little bit on how I can can be better about supporting those students in the classroom by allowing them to explore their multiple identities and not just keeping them tied to their passport country, which is a very easy thing to do when we we talk about international days, we talk about diversity days, we're really tying students to identifying one way. And we're talking about transformative DEIJ and it, rather than the sprinkling of diversity here and there, where it's the student should constantly be relating their identities in the classroom. So I've I found those two two resources quite helpful in that sense. Brilliant. We'll add those uh, researchers, those authors to the show notes so people can follow up on that. Uh, and these are really poignant ideas. I'm really enjoying this. And I assume especially thinking, you know, we live in such a globalized world and the concept of identity is very complex. And um, I think I hope those who are listening are encouraged by Megan's ideas here and words, because this is great thinking and great, a great challenge to the community to think in this way. Really cool. Thank you. I'm going to jump into the big question that I like to ask lots of people, which is what do you think in your context, understanding experience, makes a good international school music teacher? I think flexibility and openness are key in being a good international school teacher and international school music teacher. And I say this as someone who taught for six years in the States in a Title I school where I felt like maintaining control of my program and classroom was the most important thing. And I would say 70 to 100% of my time was spent on classroom management. And when I moved abroad and tried to take those skills and the way that I was running my classroom into my first school in Egypt, I quickly realized that I was just kind of fighting a never-ending battle. And a drama teacher, I think the drama drama teachers are the best professional development for music teachers, in my opinion. A drama teacher actually came to me and said, what, what if you just became comfortable with a little bit of chaos? And once I did that, once I kind of released the control and became flexible and open, I kind of went in the other direction for a while where my classroom was complete chaos for a few years. <laughs> um, uh, but then I was able to really find that that balance. And it's been so rewarding to, to kind of relinquish control to my students and to see them own their learning the way that that I want to own my own identity and my own learning as an adult. And it's really inspiring. Um, students will always meet expectations. And if you have high expectations or kind of limitless expectations, I think they can, they can continue to surprise in these outstanding, almost magical ways. And I just feel so fortunate to be able to witness that. Megan, thank you so much. I've, Thoroughly enjoyed this this quick conversation. Yeah, I'd love you. to follow Me up too. with a broader conversation. I think there's so much we could we could jump into. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Any ideas, thoughts before we finish up? I think just going into the school year, 
remembering that that we're human and to take care of ourselves as educators. And I think especially in the arts, it can get really overwhelming all of the programs and the after school and the equipment moving, so much equipment moving. <laughs> and um, just remembering to step back and, and enjoy, enjoy the children and enjoy music the way we did, hopefully, when we chose to take on this amazing profession. Such a good point. Well, thank you so much. Good luck for the year ahead. I can't wait to hear how everything goes. And I really appreciate your time. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a real honor. So next up, I have Avinash Srinivas, who is a drums and percussion teacher at the Stonehill International School in Bangalore, India. Um, He's teaching one-to-one lessons, but also working with the secondary music team because he's actually doing his PGCE, which is quite exciting. We might get to that. But Stonehill is an IB school. And as far as I've been told already by Avinash, there's about 40 nationalities at the school, which sounds pretty cool. So how are you doing, Avinash? Hi, Chris. Nice to meet you. I'm doing uh, pretty well today. In fact, happens to be the first day of the academic year. So the school has just reopened and uh, we're all looking forward to this academic year. Nice. Good summer. Did you have a nice summer? Yes, I did. Um, not pretty great. I couldn't like do much uh, during the break because I was mostly doing assignments for my PGC and uh, planning like a bunch of other things, but uh, not as great as I wanted it to be. But it was nice. It was all right. Good, good. So we've got these three questions. So let's go for it. The first question is, what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year? Yeah. So uh, I think what I'm looking forward to the most is, uh, like I already mentioned, Chris, I have been teaching drums uh, and percussion one-on-one. Like we mostly take, you know, private lessons here at the school. And I've been here for close to three years, but something that I'm really looking forward to is I'm going to be getting out of my comfort zone as, you know, someone who takes one-on-one lessons to classroom sessions because I'm doing the PGCE and I will be collaborating with uh, the secondary music teacher. And she's new as well. Uh, she has just joined this year and I had a meeting with her and she's really knowledgeable. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. That sounds so exciting. I will look forward to maybe touching base in a year and seeing how you've progressed with it yeah absolutely so i'm sure based on the fact that you're doing the pgc and there's so much that you're going to be implementing but you know is there one new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this academic year yes so i have been doing some thinking and it's also kind of related to the assignment that i've been working on you know i I just submitted this proposal like a week ago Instead of, I think music is usually like the way I have been teaching music, at least uh, drum set is, was very like result oriented, you know, like you teach students how to play a piece, they learn how to play it and they deliver it. They put up a good performance. But I think the element that was missing is teaching students how to be passionate about playing the instrument, kind of helping them falling in love with the instrument, teaching them how to fall in love and as musicians, I think this is something that maybe we had, we were either lucky to have good teachers who were able to inspire and motivate us, or we kind of picked it up on our own by watching other musicians play. But I think I would like to focus on that aspect, you know, instead of the traditional just rote learning, you're just learning how to play an instrument. I mean, I think we are quite capable of doing that. Most of the music teachers are, but I want to help try and like, you know, teach the students how to kind of fall in love with the instrument and, that'll help them kind of 
play the instrument and you know pursue the instrument for a long period of time do you have any particular strategies that you think might work i think that is also kind of related to uh, how you are as a musician like what you do as a musician how it could just be as simple as performing for the students the students need to be able to watch the teacher perform you have the ability to kind of inspire and motivate the students like you know there are some performances i'm pretty sure you would remember like a handful of performances uh, that you would have watched where you just watch them and you're just in awe of you know how good it was and you can't wait to go back home and try that out on your instrument you know if i'm able to do that either through a performance or it could even just be through a conversation or you know showing them uh, videos that are kind of like inspiring there are various strategies but i think that would also depend uh, stu- from student to student yeah yeah fair <laughs> point okay so my favorite question and i'm going to ask everyone this one what do you think makes a good international school music teacher okay um, i think i would also kind of link this the answer to this to my uh, previous answer which was i think first and foremost you need to be passionate about what you do about your instrument and the students need to be able to see that it shouldn't just be a job that you take up because that's not what we do as musicians i i think for me i just i, I just love playing drums i can't like i i practice when i'm at school whenever i get breaks in between lessons i'm practicing and what you can also see is like there's a like a little window uh, next to my classroom where, where the kids hang out during their breaks so i'm playing some songs so the kids literally just hang out there like seeing they're watching me play during the breaks and they're like hey that's so cool and i kind of like get them to come in here sit and watch me perform that kind of motivates them that and they get curious about the instrument so you know things like that i i think it's important to uh, really be passionate about your instrument about music in general and of course the ability to kind of pass that on to the students who learn music either in the classroom or you know like as as one on one sessions to just pursue it as a hobby and apart from that i think another quality that would make a great teacher in in, in an international music school is uh, be sensitive to the fact that you have students from a lot of cultural backgrounds and you have to be kind of like able to you have to be able to adapt to uh, you know like understand various cultures and you know you should be really sensitive to that i think that's another quality that would make a good uh, music teacher at an international school i mean us thanks so much i'm imagining what it might be like with the students walking past seeing you play drums it feels like role modeling seems like a important <laughs> concept to you you know role modeling yes. your passion yes. your your drive to play music and be involved in music and that's really exciting so i i mean i'd love to come and visit your school one day yeah. and and check it all out you should yeah avinash is there anything you want to add before we finish up i can't really think of anything else but uh yeah i i think that's pretty much it cool thanks so much Thank you Chris thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to like be on this podcast and uh, yeah thanks thanks a lot So next up is Paul Ellison who is the director of music at Dover Court International School in Singapore and Paul and I have met a couple of times over the years but I'm excited to have him here and explore these questions so how are you doing Paul I'm good thanks thanks for uh, inviting me along to be on your podcast Pleasure So the first question is what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher? 
I'm looking forward to seeing the benefits of the of the impact of the last two years. I've been at Dover for probably two and a half years. And part of my remit and my focus has been to really up the numbers, taking GCSE and hopefully IP. And obviously that doesn't happen overnight. So those numbers are filtering through. So instead of having the little tiny, you know, five, six cohorts that you often get in school, you know, we've got like 20, 25 coming through. So uh, I'm looking forward to those massive groups, which will inform performances and the whole buzz around the department. And ultimately that going into IB, which we never had that uh, luxury of having the, the big num- a big pool to, uh, to go through to IB. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to my new uh, music teacher who's going to be kicking off next week too. Um, she's quite a late appointment, so I was getting a little bit um, worried towards the end of the year. But thankfully we found someone. I think she's going to be great. Obviously, in an international setting, that part of the remit is change all the time. And if you, you need to embrace change and and people leaving who might be great, but then you've got to well, you know, it's a, it's a it's revolving doors, isn't it, all the time? Kids or teachers, whatever it is, curriculum even. So yeah, she's very different than what we've had before, which is great. Out of change, she's a performer, player. So we'll see how that pans out. So I'm excited about that. And I'm also excited about the opportunities that I'm working on at the minute, which are going to happen, of uh, getting the young musicians performing in the community. That's a big thing for me this year. So we're going to take our Battle of the Bands final. We're going to do Battle of the Bands this year, second time. And the kids are really excited about that. They were excited the day after the last Battle of the Bands, which is like last February. When's the next one? And so we're going to be doing that (coughs) at a venue uh, in Singapore. The final of that will be a venue. Instead of doing it in the school hall, uh, which is the same old thing, and some of those kids have been looking at that school hall for around 13 years or something. So get outside and make, you know, make all the, kind of my ethos is a lot about building the bridge between music outside in the real world, what you listen to, what you see, what you hear out there, and in school. And I think young people don't, you know, don't make that connection. It's such a powerful thing when you, when they realize that it's all part of this big picture. And that music isn't to be played in a school concert no, on a stage. So uh, get them outside, and we're going to perform, we're going to have our final of our Battle of the Bands in a proper venue. And also, there's another new venue that's popped up, and I was speaking to my friend at Tanglin. We're going to do like a joint Sunday afternoon gig. There, get some of the older guys who have got the bands that are quite established already to do a kind of a joint a collaboration, another community thing going on, and uh, get them performing at a, a real live venue with an engineer and everything. And then the reverse, getting musicians from the community to come into school. So making making all those connections, you know, outside of the school box, really. And we had last year and the year before, we were bouncing back from a pandemic and everything. Now it's kind of going really taking the next step up and getting out of school. And get, I know, and another thing which I need to, I've been driving a little bit, is getting the, the our students to start going to musical events. So just constantly plugging away things. There's so much going on in Singapore and there's so much that's free. And you ask them and, you know, they can be like in year 10, 11, who's been to a gig, like two kids in in the class, you know. Why not? They just don't know what it is. And there's like festivals and gigs and little things going on everywhere. Uh, So really plugging that and forcing them to go. There's a piano festival. There's there's, there's an Indian festival going on. There's world music. All these, as you know, because you've been here. But, um, really getting them to to go and watch bands and performers, you know, at the Esplanade or wherever and 
and again make that 360 whole connection that's it's not just music sat in the classroom looking looking at me mm. can i ask just as a follow-on from that because i feel like some people might be interested in this if someone's new to an international school a new country new city and they're into this idea of making those connections between school and community. Do you have any like top tips on how to make some of those first steps? For example, getting the venue set up for your Battle of the Bands final. What was your process or what's been your process in making some of these community connections? I think the little key for me, and because it's quite so small, Singapore, it's very easy to network, but easier to network. And it helps being, being a musician outside of school. So if you're in a choir, if you're playing a band, I don't know, if you're into salsa or whatever you're into, and if you have that dual thing going on outside of school, and I, and I think generally as a music teacher, it's really, really healthy to, to have a musical life outside of school. And I always look for that when you're interviewing people and when you're, talk, when you're chatting with them and networking with other musicians and other music teachers and other musicians in the community, it's just invaluable. If you turn up to rehearse and they're like, oh, yeah, my mate works at the school down the road from you and he's just this. And, and the next minute, oh, yeah, and you, found, you end up in a group and they say, oh, do you want to play in this reggae band? Do you want to play in this jazz band? Do you want to play here? So get, and then you meet a person who works for events at a venue and they know someone else. And I've only been here two and a half years and those networks really just have kind of emerged. So I think have a musical life outside of school. It's not going to happen when you're sat in your classroom in school in your little bubble, which you can do, and the danger of that happening, because the network's all, all almost already there. Really, it just needs you to connect up the dots. Really, yeah. And if you and if you are a player in a choir, or you know whatever you do, and I think it really helps make those connections. Well, this probably feeds pretty nicely into the next question: is which is what is one new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this coming academic year? But it's not teaching per se, but I, I really want, I've started at the end of last year with giving students more um, advocacy and, and leadership over uh, their learning and not just the learning, what goes on in the music department. So we have a little series on a Friday, we have like a lunchtime concert thing. It started off as just piano because we, I realized when I got to Singapore, there were hundreds and hundreds of pianists, but none of them had all. Hardly any of them had ever played in public because they just sat at home doing ABRSM. I was like, what's going on? Have your friends ever heard you play? They're like, no. And it's like, why would they want to hear me play? Has anybody heard you play? No. So we started doing a Friday lunchtime thing and, and really encouraging pianists to play. So um, at the end of last year, some of the top kids who really uh, fancy piano players, um, I asked if they'd be interested in running that this year. So I'm going to try and hand over some more of that might be extracurricular things or just give the kids more advocacy over the running of the department made music you know music advocates leaders so that's something i want to really get going in the music department this year nice and are you thinking um that's going to be across the board that sense of autonomy or is that mainly in that performance arena that you're thinking about we, it is there already when we work we do a lot of work with bands and musical future stuff and that's kind of built into that really and that's part of the ethos of that way of learning um to, of being student-centered year seven maybe not so much but as they emerge into year eight we only have two year key stage three so to a certain extent in key stage three you can have that within the curriculum more advocacy uh, autonomy to say 
Um, it's a bit trickier within the curriculum as you go further up because you have you have to uh, cover the syllabus. Mm. And definitely a high B. Yeah, I was going to say GCSE. Yeah, it's quite prescribed, isn't it? It's like an elastic. It's like a balloon, in that. <laughs> and then GCSE kind of chokes it, and then hopefully, as I said right at the beginning. After we have these numbers pushing through, we'll have a much bigger cohort of, of IB next year. Nice. Uh, which I'm, I would be really excited, but you have tiny numbers at the minute, like a lot of schools do, really. And that's not, not really to do with the music department and what we're doing in music. It's to do with mindset and uh, it's more parents and kids, really, everybody, really, about, well, why do I want to do music at IB? So that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could probably go down that whole rabbit hole. And there's there's some really good thought that we could touch on with that one. Yeah, let's not go there. Um, <laughs> but let's let's put that aside for the next podcast and go to my favorite question, which is lots of nuance, which is what do you think from your perspective, experience makes a good international school music teacher? Yeah, well, for me, I think it's... Obviously, we follow an, an adapted curriculum, whatever that might be, might be. And wherever you go in the world, wherever school, it's the, a different level of adaptation. So you, you're going to be walking in. You don't, don't know what you're going to be walking into, really. So you need to be adaptable and have a really broad, open mind and skill set. Because you don't know what you're going to be walking into. You get a job in London or Brighton or Liverpool, you know pretty much and you've done your PGC, da, 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 da. you've got the tools and the toolkit to walk in and, and, and rock up and you're going to be able to pretty much know what's going on. But with a, with international setting, you, I think a lot of the teachers uh, can be have their way, their, their version of what the British curriculum is. So it's not really level in that way. So when you, when you arrive or wherever you've come from, you need to be really um, flexible and open to what's going to happen because you, you don't know what slant that particular head of department, whoever it is, is going to happen, how, how um, where they're going to meet you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I think adaptable, flexible. And there's a weird paradox because a lot of international teachers might, might leave the UK because they don't, they don't like the restrictions of the British curriculum. They want to have more freedom and autonomy um, over what they deliver. And so but then you do because you're following in their footsteps and then you get there and like, oh, this is what we're doing. We're doing it this way. And say, so, well, I left the UK because I didn't want to do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you have to have that. You have to be really inclusive and open as well because of the kids in front of you, you know, from all, all different cultures, different backgrounds, different countries, different experiences. So that can be challenging. But obviously the behavior and all, all that type of stuff is is much much more manageable in my experience than it is in a state school in the uk mm. so yeah you have to be like that you have to be able to strike a balance between being creative and impulsive and buzzy and kind of on it and and kind of towing the line i think that's something i've always found difficult i'm quite spontaneous about things and i'm very creative way of thinking i'll be like no i've changed my mind let's do it this way well, let's do it that old way but mixed with this new way this new weird monster version of it so you need to be able to do that but then fit within obviously within systems of the wider community of the school and a toe the line with the assessment and reporting and all the rest of that stuff as well 
that has to, that's the canon, nuts and bolts. But then be creative and buzzy and ar around that. And that's it's those two worlds. You have to find a, a path through that. And I think you hit on something that's come up quite a lot, especially last year on the podcast, which is this idea that in the international school context, we we have this ability. I mean, we talked about maybe the GCSE and how that kind of restrains or constrains again, but typically you, you kind of have this potential of doing innovative, different stuff. And I liked your reflection on, on leaving the UK to escape something. And then you just find yourself replicating it in the international. Or even worse, because you're going to get this teacher's like, I'm the, I'm going to go off to teaching where Singapore and I'm going to do this and it's going to be the best thing ever. Uh, yeah. Mm. It might not be your best thing ever. So yeah, it's really exciting going back this year because at, by the end of last year, it, it was all exploding at Dover and we had, an amazing concert. We have two orchestras now that we had none two years ago. So we have a primary one, secondary one, got loads of bands. So we're, we're kind of ticking all the boxes for promoting most of the students. We've got piano things, like I said, things all dotted through the... Now we've got a calendar where we have set events that have happened kind of twice now. So they're yeah. in the system. So it's all, all the wheels are turning now. And yeah, it's music's really buzzing there now. So I'm very happy with how things are panning out. That's really exciting. Well, we'll have to catch up later in the year and hear how the year pans out. I'm sure we'll come across each other around the place as well. But um, thanks for your time. Thanks for thanks. sharing where you're at and your, you know, your hopes for the year. And I hope it all happens. It sounds really exciting. Is there anything else you want to share or reflect on before we wrap up? I'm just looking forward to a new year, new kids coming up from year six, a new staff member. Uh, I think it's going to be another busy, exciting year. Great. Well, thanks for joining me, Paul, and um, we'll catch you again soon. Yeah, see you soon. All right, so next up, I've got Beren Gaston. Beren's a good buddy of mine. We go back quite a way from our time in Malaysia, so it's really cool to have him on this episode. He is a PYP and MYP music teacher at the International School of Hanover, and that's obviously in Hanover in Germany. Beren. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to see you. This is great. And we're just commenting, you're in your classroom. We've got some, for those who are watching this episode, we've got some cool stuff going on in the background. Yeah, yeah, just like, like uh, getting ready to start uh, in about three days. So the classroom is, uh, yeah, the first thing you want to make sure it's looking good, but the board is always messy. <laughs> yeah, nice. I think you said organized chaos. I like it. So... Beren, a few days away from starting the academic year, what are you looking forward to most about the 2023-24 academic year as an international school music teacher? Well, personally, I'm really looking forward um, for the, to have a normal year. Normally, that's normal, but it's normal, right? But uh, after all these years we had uh, of restrictions and pandemics and bits and bobs and home teaching and all, all home learning, that I think for the first year, I'm really looking forward to to have it from beginning till end that we can call it a normal one no? or a good one, normal. We, we can do all the bands that we had, were planned, all the orchestras, all the after school activities, choirs, um, concerts, um, visiting places like this last year. Last school year was a bit like that, but not totally. And especially in a country like Germany, which they love rules. So um, there were a lot of... Uh, 
still some restrictions to say that. And uh, and again, worldwide it was like that. But uh, this is my mostly thing. And like I'm really looking forward to for this year to have it. Um, yeah, I don't like the word normal, but a normal year. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. I I hear the sentiment, and um, that's exciting. Did you have you know last year? Was it kind of a chaotic year where you were trying to find your feet again after maybe the year before being extra restricted? Yeah, 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 totally. And also because I joined a new school during the pandemic, so we started, and after like a week or two, like when you get to meet the the school, how it works, the facilities, what you got, and they sent us home because oh, we had to do like the home learning. And uh, yeah, we, we felt that, uh, as I say, like as an international teacher, whenever, or any teacher, when you go, when you join a new school, it's always a challenge, right? Because you need to get to know the country, the culture, the colleagues, how the way the school works, the things that are true, the things that are not so true about the school when you join a new school, all this stuff. But when you get into it, and then after a month or less than a month, you, you are like, boom, at home, four rooms, that makes it really challenging and that's been like for us personally uh, an experience like this this uh, when we came uh, in 2020 so yeah last year it was the first normal one but again restrictions masks were still there concerts space we could we were able to go into some concerts and watch some like live bands or orchestras uh, we're very lucky that orchestra world in germany it's a, it's very 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 big there's like a lot of, of things and offer for the students as well but there was still a lot of like uh, hurdles to jump, you know, obstacles to, to to dodge. So yeah, as I say, this this year, hopefully, we'll see. It it looks good so far. What's one new idea that you plan to implement in your teaching this academic year? So one of the things that we worked. Um, I mean, as, as you said before, I'm like a. PYP and MYP teachers. So one of the things that we found that always is a bit difficult is like the transition between primary and secondary, right? That's always in all subjects and especially for the students as well. You know, they come from this world, the primary, it's all not in a bubble, but they all happens in a class normally. And they go to see a few specialists and then they go to secondary, which everything is in a specialist lesson and they got a little bit so what I've been working on transitions of that, and in the past I've done like like for example sports team where we used to mix grades from like grade six and seven from um, secondary with grade fives and fours and try to make that. So what we're doing this year in our school, we're starting a whole wind, woodwinds and brass project that will move forward to the next year. So the students in grade four and five, um, they will have an instrumental lesson once a week during curriculum time and then so we have trombones trumpets saxophones and clarinets and we have two teachers that we're going to try to to start doing that and we'll have like a one semester for the grade fives then the next semester is going to be grade fours so when they get to grade five the following year they'll continue with that and then what we're trying to do is that the grade fives when next year they go to grade six they'll bring the instrument with them and then they can be part of the myp band middle school band as well so we're trying to grow this this section so there's yeah as a new idea new project that we are like uh starting from from a scratch not because you always done it in other schools and with other things but in this school is the first time ever so yeah my students are gonna be lovely guinea pigs <laughs> 
Do you have any particular resources that you're going to use uh, either books or methods or instruments, anything that you might want to share with the community that could be useful for anyone else who's doing something similar or is thinking of doing something similar? We do have books, actually. and I can show them to you. If you give me a second, I'll just, because they're here next to me. Okay. At the start, we're going to be using, it's a very old one as well, but it was in school already, yeah, Maha Advantage, right? This Advantage book. We're also looking at like a tune a day, which is another book that we can use for all the different uh, instruments and then we are going to use very basically but uh, i want to try to use uh, charanga the website so that in charanga we will um, use the instrument wall i think it's called a humor so the students can approach that and it's again it's all a tryout we're going to try this this first semester to see what's best for the students but uh, i think that a combination of paperwork with informal teaching, get them to 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 play as much with charanga. And also we will be using some musical features, play along together. So again, we'll have to make the arrangements ourselves, but uh, try to, I always will try to get, get the students to play as soon as possible, right? That's one of the things that uh, I really strongly believe, you know, like an informal teaching. I, I always say that, that music, at least when I, when I was taught music as a little kiddo, it was coming from from the book to the learner, right? And I learned how to read music. I did learn how to read music, but I never learned how to speak music when I was young. And one of the things that I try to approach, I to teach with the, the students is, is that, that I'd rather you say something that comes from inside to the outside than having a music score. And then you are like from the outside to the inside. And of course you have your own interpretation to that, but it's still from somebody else. And I think I'm, from nowadays uh, with so many apps that kids can create music and so it's just like, okay, give them the tools to hey, try to speak music. What do you want to say? So tell us something. So we'll see if we can achieve that with the very beginner's brass and wins. I don't know if that's possible, but with the other, other students, we definitely, I'm definitely looking for this approach. Sounds great. It sounds really integrated. I'll look forward to hearing how it goes. Sounds really cool. Baron. I'm going to ask you my favorite question, which is what in your experience, understanding context, what makes a good international school music teacher? It's a very difficult question, Chris. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I thought, I thought about it and it's like, oh, I'm going to have some notes and take, tell him exactly. But I think also, no, I just want to say what, what comes from, from the inside, right? What yeah. do I feel nice. about that? I think that you just have to be open-minded. Like it's one of the, the biggest, uh, I would say, my tip also, like, just be open-minded to any country you go and uh, try to do different things. Doesn't matter which is your background, so you come from a classic or more modern, just make sure that you're there to share your passion, which is music. I guess that's why you became a music teacher, because you, mm -hmm. that you love music, right? And then also say that in my music lessons or the music lessons that I, that I lead in, in all levels, no? You'd have students who are like up there and then students who are not so much and like try to to not bring the ones who are up there below, but also help them to bring, bring these who are low high. And also one of the things that I, that I say is that, okay, as we say, like, it's okay to make mistakes and so try to express yourself. But I think at least personally, when you have, um, I remember I would say like an, an anecdote. Once I had a cons uh, when I was working in the Middle East, I, I organized the, the end of the year concert. 
and everybody was on the stage. We have the production, the show. And so one of the best compliments I had from a parent that had been in the Middle East for many years, and that was the first year in our school, he said, like, I didn't see anybody on the stage who was having a, a stressful phase or panic attack. Or Nobody on that stage was stressed. Everybody was sort of enjoying in the different level. And I went like, oh, thank you very much. But then afterwards I thought, well, why did or she say that to me? It's like, probably, again, the pressure that we have as teachers, we put it into the students when they are performing. And that's one of the things I've learned with the years. Just chill a little bit because what you want to do, you're not going to make the next Ed Sheeran, Mozart, Beethoven, John Lennon in your classroom because you don't have enough time in a music lesson, right? But you want to help them to, to have this, okay, hey, your passion, just bring it out. Make the stage yours. But if you're not a stage person, then make the backstage yours. This, this is, this is my, I mean, again, we're not only teaching music, we're also teaching performing arts. So it's a little bit, sometimes a bit of everything. As I say, like back to that time where the parents say like, nobody was stressed, nobody was not enjoying being on the stage. It was a really good compliment they had. And the, the thing, no, like always try to, from here to the outside, we, we, we want to share our, our feelings over what music is, right? So that's, I don't know. I'm talking too much, Chris. Sorry, stop me. No, <laughs> this is good. I'm just taking it all in, you know, open-minded, passion. Mm. Um, I just took some notes as you were speaking, like chill out. Mm. I like that too. Really, really nice. And, you know, what comes across to me is that you said earlier, maybe I should have taken some notes and said exactly, you know, something perfect. But that's that's maybe the point. You, you've made the point just in not doing that because being an international school music teacher, as you've just said, is to express your passion and, and be open-minded and be responsive to whatever happens. So I really liked it. I was just sitting there going, keep talking. This is great. <laughs> and something else also want to add to this is like, I've also have a background in EAL. And I think that for the, over the years, uh, I, I'm, a, I'm an EAL person myself, right? I'm from Barcelona. I, I speak Spanish and English was something I learned because I like the Beatles, basically. That was my motivation. But um, what I think is like in lessons or in music lessons on subjects like ours or or PE, you could say maybe or arts or something, it's very important to let the EAL students that don't have that the possibility in other lessons sometimes to express themselves, not to have the leads, to be a role model, to be able to you know, have this amazing Chinese student who is very, very quiet in class, but can play like in great tool, right? can play sonatas and all this like amazing, let him show off a little bit. Some, I don't know the word show off, but you know, to, to share his talents because in the rest of the lesson, sometimes they are like the ones in behind the desk and they're like, oh, I don't know what. Yeah. So the EAL, I think it's also another big thing I would say as a good music teacher or, or like a music teacher, yeah. Sing songs from all around the world. Do the, yeah. And one thing, uh, at least personally, don't use the term world music. Okay. At least personally, I think, okay, so that's world music and non-world music, right? If you do that. When you go to like, a, or when you used to go to like a this shop, remember, like record shop, you go to the world music section, flamenco, Spanish music, Latin, African, whatever. Yeah. And then you have to the rest of the world, which is all English based, mostly. Mm. So... That was a difference. At least in, in class, I tell, I try to, everything is world music because we yeah. live in a world. And this is something just to chime in on that, um, that we've been working a lot on in the MTIS because this idea of world music is contested. And I don't know if you've seen, we've been 
hosting this course called World Music Pedagogy, mm. which is a complete deconstruction of world music. It's almost intentionally put there to get people to yeah. deconstruct it. And it's phenomenal, this whole pedagogy that's been developed, which is essentially suggesting that exactly what you said, the world the world's music well the world is full of music and if we approach it from a western lens as in this is music and then there's all this other music that's world music yeah it's an interesting uh an interesting conversation whereas the world music pedagogy flips it it flips it completely and says well the world has you know 80 percent of the world's music is learnt orally and informally and we often know nothing about it because we're so focused yeah. on this other music or the right music yeah it's a good one yeah yeah no, it's, it's very interesting also when you talk to the students again uh, being doing like a bit of secondary you get more elaborated uh, answers and they they you can see you know like the ones who come at least in europe that's music and the rest is world music but the ones who come from asia africa it's like everything is music mm. everywhere so it's not like what's world music because you come from no no so it's very interesting it's very interesting i love it and yeah for those who are interested in this topic we've we've come up against this topic a couple of times on the podcast um i'm thinking jennifer walden's episode and we had a chat with andy gladhill who does a lot of music from around the world culturally diverse music he might call it so yeah there's some some good reference points there but yeah thanks for bringing that one up baron i think it's always worth throwing in the mix that's here we are to learn right to to get better always learning absolutely absolutely thank you so much for taking us on a little journey with uh you know what you're looking forward to and the things you're planning to implement in the year ahead is there anything else you wanted to touch on any thoughts ideas questions before we wrap up no i just want to say that thank you for doing what you're doing with your podcast uh, i've been watching them and uh, like learning from that also the your facebook page and your website and uh, all the beginning of orchestra i think that all these things is like where we're talking before they're necessary and when you are a teacher you don't have a well, music teacher or any kind of teacher you don't have time to do all these things so it's always good to know and especially again our personal connection like uh, i know you and I, i'm really sure that whatever you're doing it's going to be super good for the pedagogical world so yeah congratulations and keep doing that thanks man i really appreciate it and yeah i'm looking forward to catching up again one day we got to know each other a bit in KL back in the day, but I'd love to come over and have a bike ride with you in Germany. I see your photos yeah. and I get excited. It looks good. <laughs> come when the sun is shining. Yes. Baron, thanks so much and all the best for the year ahead. Thank you. The same. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Teachers in International Schools podcast. Listen to other episodes by visiting mtiis.com or learn more about our community on Facebook by simply searching for Music Teachers in International Schools. If you know someone who you think I should get on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at chriskulma.com, C-H-R-I-S-K-O-E-L-M-A.com. See you next time. This episode is brought to you by Naxos Music Box. Naxos Music Box is a new online learning platform from Naxos, the world's leading classical music brand. And I've been playing around with Naxos Music Box for the last little while and was impressed by a couple of things. One, the simple, easy to navigate interface for students and teachers. And two, the quality of the content. 
This is an excellent solution for teaching Western music theory and classical music to students from 4 up to 14 and in some cases beyond into GCSE level. There is also a super nice section dedicated to culturally diverse music with fantastic listening examples. Finally, Naxos Music Box has student quizzes that integrate with Google Classroom. Now, for the MTIIS community, Naxos Music Box has an introductory offer where you'll get 20% off your license. Simply email musicbox at naxos.com and mention MTIIS for your discount. That's M-U-S-I-C-B-O-X, Music Box, at N-A-X-O-S, naxos.com.